0: Welcome to episode four of Pouring It With Paula, a series of podcasts that will give you an inside look at our family and the heartbreak that we faced by those that judged, primarily by some nurses and doctors. My daughter, Terry, their target. This episode will give you a glimpse of who we were and still are. I am your host, Paula Friesen. Terry's life wasn't just filled with heartbreak by those that judged. It was also filled with so much joy. Terry was one of the most beautiful humans, but also probably one of the most stubborn at times. I'm fairly certain she acquired her stubbornness from her dad's side. Just saying. Anyone that knows me knows that my family is everything. My children and my grandchildren are my world. My family also includes many foster children that we have had the privilege of sharing life with, not to mention some of the incredible friendships that have been built. My parents who have always been my rock, my siblings, and certainly last but not least, my husband Tim, my best friend, the man who's held me up when I wasn't able to stand myself. I'm so incredibly grateful for each one of them. There were few dull moments in our house, as it was often a flurry of activity. I would think it was like, I don't know, I guess like most large families. Having said that, um, I know it was difficult, and probably still is for a lot of people to wrap their head around how we coped with all of the daily tasks. And the answer really is quite simple. We all contributed. Each member of our family had a role, and not just in terms of chores, but also within each relationship. One could say we were almost our own little village. There were arguments, tears, laughs, and a ton of joy. Uh, I think the biggest thing in a family like ours was building trust. I mean, trust had to be the foundation on which we built in order for our family to work. Much easier said than done, as why in the world would any of these children just trust us? I mean, seriously, who the hell were we, other than strangers? In order for any of them to see their worth and allow love, we first had to build that foundation. I am of the belief that vulnerability played a massive role Um, I think that because the girls and I had been down some dark roads ourselves, certainly different roads than these children had been down, but we understood heartbreak and understood the importance of being vulnerable. Um, I think it's only when you're vulnerable with somebody that you really get to know them and you're able to let them in. vulnerability is difficult for many people I mean many people struggle with it when they've had what society would consider a normal childhood Um, but I think really difficult if you haven't had if you've been bounced around from home to home and you haven't had that stability I think it'd be pretty tough to open yourself up. I knew that in order to work on building this foundation, I would have to make the first move and probably several of the first moves. And that was okay, they were worth that. And in the interest of transparency, I have zero formal education on these matters, unless, of course, you guys want to factor in my PhD in life, because I certainly have one of those. As a family, we spent a lot of time camping every summer. And it was during those times that we had some absolutely beautiful moments sitting around a campfire. And what made these moments so incredibly beautiful were the meaningful conversations that often took place. So many nights of sitting up till all hours under the stars, and the beautiful Aurora Borealis. They were certainly magical moments that are now cherished memories. Um, There's also some other memories of camping. And right about now, some of my kids are going, Oh no, she's not. She's not going to tell those stories, is she? (laughs) Maybe for another time. Tim and I would go away every year towards the end of the winter, usually to a hotspot, all inclusive of course, as life at home was often hectic and this would give us a chance to spend some time together and just catch up with one another. And every two years, we would take all of our kids on vacation to Toronto and even our adult kids and their significant others often joined us. Um, there was so much to do in Ontario, and the, the, I guess, what we hoped was that it would entice the kids to stay in school. Uh, We were hoping that they would see the value and the excitement of exploring some of the beauty that our world has to offer. Vacationing with us was madness in some of the most beautiful ways. Uh, We pretty much had a routine. For everything, and going on a vacation wasn't any different. On travel day, it was all hands on deck, literally, with their luggage. I had a checklist for everyone. Toothbrush, check. Comb, check. And so on. Of course, I wasn't on the list because I didn't think I needed to be on it. But guess who showed up in Toronto without any of their toiletries? Yep, you guessed it. Me. The excitement. As the plane would begin its descent to Toronto International Airport and how fascinated they all were with how massive the city was below and then there was the excitement coupled with the fear of the 401 with all its lanes of speeding vehicles going minimum 100 120 in what appears to be cars weaving in and out of lanes I mean, Yellowknife's fastest speed was 70 kilometers an hour, (laughs) and that was on the ring road. wasn't even through town. So many incredible moments with my sister and her family around their pool, and then there was going to Canada's Wonderland, Marineland, CN Tower, Hockey Hall of Fame, ball games, you name it. The constant headcounts and the moments of sheer terror, when miscounting or losing sight of someone just for a split second. Terry losing her mind on the elevator ride up the CN Tower and me being so upset with her. I just wasn't a happy camper, mostly because I didn't want her fears, and oh my goodness, she had fears, to hold her back from seeing all that beauty then there was the time that we were visiting the hockey hall of fame and i said to tim i've got the kids you go do your thing with the boys like we're we're good and while some of the kids were taking shots on net (laughs) turned around and i had lost the two youngest ones i mean as you can imagine i nearly lost my mind i was running around the building hysterically and then tim found them in the mock broadcasting booth and like any mother I was praying for their safety and then of course when I saw them I thought well you're not safe because my heart did things that it was not supposed to do. And that I knew for sure. Uh, All I kept thinking is holy smokes, outside it's crazy busy. And not just because it was downtown Toronto, but because it it was the Toronto Caribbean uh, Carnival was happening. There was parades, there was just people everywhere. So losing one of the kids would have been like losing a needle in a haystack. And I remember I pointed to my rear end, saying to them, you see this? You see this? It's rather large, so I know you see it, and you are glued to this for the remainder of this trip. wasn't one of my finest moments, but I knew that deep down they knew it was because I loved them, and it was coming from a place of fear. Our home life was much the same. As most, at least I would think so. I mean, it consisted of homework, chores, movies, friends, games, um, teens that had work schedules, uh, sports, boyfriends, girlfriends, breakups, arguments, drama. And then, I mean, just everyday life. Um, Then there was, you know, when somebody was, you know, on a basketball team or a soccer team, the whole family was out cheering them on. And if one couldn't make it, we were texting to give them the score. Um, We were that crazy family. (laughs) Um, While I'm telling you about the beauty as well as the madness of my family, it strikes me once again that this was very much what we were judged on. Sadly, though, those that judged us judged us based on things that they thought they knew, their perception, but not all that they perceived was reality. We may have been a large, busy family, but we loved each other and we still love each other. I mean, we made time for one another, contrary to what most believe. I guess what I'm wanting you to know is that we were just an ordinary, extraordinary family. If you knew each person's story, you'd understand why I say that my children are and were extraordinary. For many years, I pleaded with some of the nurses to take a moment of their time to get to know Terry, even just a little, because I believed that if they had more understanding... There'd be more kindness. Even if there was only a little understanding of someone else's story, it can change how they respond to that person. I mean, much of the judgment seemed to be focused on the fact that we were foster parents and the belief that we couldn't possibly be effective parents to Terry, much less the rest of our kids. Um I mean it was almost impossible and still is for me to wrap my head around or understand why some weren't able to see who we really were. I take this time to share with you what I wrote to say at the first anniversary of Terry's passing. And I hope this gives you a glimpse of the extraordinary beauty that was Terry and in so many ways still is. We decided to make our way back to Yellowknife for that day that would mark one year without our beautiful girl. We relocated and were now living in Alberta. We had requested when Terry passed away that in lieu of flowers donations could be made to the Staten Territorial Foundation. As a family we thought it fitting to use these funds to have a garden of hope outside the entrance of the emergency department. We had gone to a quarry and picked out a rock and then had a beautiful plaque made for the garden. Unfortunately, Terry's garden hadn't been completed before we moved. Uh, We only saw the garden in pictures that family and friends would take while visiting. The Staten Territorial Foundation had told us that they would have a representative there to unveil the garden whenever we were able to return. Tim placed a call to them to let them know that we would be there for the first anniversary. We then went to work at getting a list of the people who had provided meals and so much support to us during the darkest days of our lives. We made arrangements for our guests to be present for the unveiling and a luncheon to follow. As one could only imagine, it was a really such an extremely emotional day for all of us. As we pulled into our hometown, it was strange for me because it was home, and yet it wasn't all at the same time. It was wonderful to see my brother David and his family, as well as many beautiful friends who were very much like family. We spent the next couple of days visiting and getting ready for what I hoped would be a beautiful day. I spent much time before arriving in Yellowknife writing what I wanted to say at the unveiling of her garden. I must have written it out a dozen times. I feared that the anger (laughs) that that still resided within me would seep through in my words, and I couldn't allow that to happen. This was not who my daughter was, and I needed to honor her. I stood with my family and delivered the following. We are very honored and thankful that each of you has taken the time to be with us on this very difficult day. We would also like to take this opportunity to thank each of you for your friendship, love, and support prior to, during, and after the death of our beautiful girl. This past year has been the most difficult year of our lives. We are trying very hard to cope and find our new normal. Although at times, the waves of grief pound with such a force that it threatens to pull us under forever, it's in these moments that we are reminded that to live in the hearts she left behind is not to die, and Terry will most certainly always live in our hearts. In life, for all of us, there are days that stand out from all others. One of those days for me was January 11th, 1983, the day I gave birth to my third daughter, Terry Rowena Butts. My heart felt as though it would burst with all the love as I held all five pounds and 13 ounces of perfection. Little did I know at the time that she would teach me more about life than I would ever teach her. Terry reached all her milestones on par with the exception of her speech. Somehow her sisters, Maggie and Allison were always able to understand her. They became her interpreters for the first five years of Terry's life. They were her voice. I remember well the day Terry came and asked me, Mommy, why did God make me different than other kids? Terry had just started kindergarten and for the first time she realized she wasn't the same as other children. I took a deep breath and sat down beside her. I told her I wasn't sure, but I did know that if everyone was the same, it would be a pretty boring world. I asked her if everyone had the ability to become a doctor or a lawyer, who would be left to do all the other jobs that needed to be done. I told Terry that God didn't make mistakes and he made you, you, for a reason. Each of us has a purpose in life and it is up to us to discover what our purpose is. I made sure Terry knew her family loved her just the way she was and we wouldn't want her to be anything other than her beautiful self. At 11 years of age, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and I felt as though my world had fallen apart. I was angry with God and wondered, why her? Didn't she have enough to deal with? My children had learned at a very early age how fragile life was when their dad died in a canoeing accident. Along with that, Terry had the challenge of not being able to read or write, She was often the favorite target of bullies at school and in the neighborhood. Terry, on the other hand, took her diagnosis in stride. She reminded me that God doesn't make mistakes. That's not to say that she never had bad days where she wasn't tired of the disease or wished that she didn't have it. After all, she was human, but for the most part, she accepted that this was her life and there wasn't anything she could do to change it. Through everything, her faith in God remained strong. We simply miss everything about Terry, To name a few, her voice, her smile, her ability to laugh at herself when she would mispronounce words. Her morning hair, it was as though a flock of birds took up residency overnight in the back of her head. Her singing, always one beat behind. Her dance, she danced like no one was watching. The way she made every holiday and special occasion magical. Her phone calls and her text messages, her one-liners, her embrace, her acceptance of everyone, her ability to forgive even to those who were cruel to her, her love for her family and friends, going shopping with her even though you knew it was going to cost you a lot more if she was with you, her belief that her family had the ability to do anything, her fashion sense, anything goes, and all colors and patterns match, Her love of children and animals, her stubbornness, her excitement for others when they would succeed. Despite the fact that Terry was developmentally delayed and had type 1 diabetes, she lived a very rich life. Terry made life so much fun. She taught us to appreciate the simple, ordinary days. You see, Terry treasured the things in life that most people take for granted. Our house was often filled with so much laughter, she taught us all that it is possible to smile through our tears. Terry's battle with diabetes was never easy. We referred to her disease as Terrybeedies. From day one she struggled to maintain good control, and we became drill sergeants. Every morsel of food was weighed, measured, and calculated as per her diabetic meal plan. Like most teens, Terry went through a rebellious stage, but it wasn't drugs or alcohol. It was food. You see, even with a strict diet and exercise, her sugars remain difficult to control. She, as I'm sure most, if not all of us would have, decided that she was sick of the diet. She felt that it wasn't helping anyway. Let's face it, each of us can walk into any fast food restaurant and see most eating unhealthy. Everyone makes choices in life that aren't necessarily good choices. The diabetic is as human as the rest of us, and they will often make choices and give in to cravings that aren't healthy. Most of us don't have everyone watching, and we are without a panel of judges. No matter how hard we tried, Terry remained brittle and her sugars difficult to control. As a result, she spent much time in the emergency department and was often admitted to hospital. Due to the numerous times she spent in hospital, we thought it fitting to have a Garden of Hope outside the emergency doors. The Garden of Hope for us would serve more than one purpose. Terry always had hope that one day they would find a cure for diabetes. It would serve as a place where family, friends, and staff would be able to sit and reflect. We also hoped that it would serve as a reminder to, of all the things that were most important to Terry. Love, family, happiness, forgiveness, kindness, faith, compassion, friendship, love thy God, and being able to smile through your tears. All of these things Terry treasured the most. Last but not least, we wanted her to be a reminder to all that everyone has a life outside these doors. Their illness does not define who they are. Terry Rowena Butts was so much more than a diabetic patient. She was a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a granddaughter, a great-granddaughter, a niece, a cousin, and a fiercely loyal friend. She will be forever loved and missed. Once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me as I poured out my heart. I hope this gave you some understanding of who we were and are as a family. Please follow me on my Facebook pages, Not Who They Thought and Pouring With Paula. My podcast website is pouringwithpaula.buzzbrown.com. Thanks again, and in the words of my girl, have a great day, my little sunny delights. God bless.